Hello, and welcome to Calming the Chaos, where we present tips, tools, and techniques to help you find peace in a chaotic world. I'm your host, Tracy Canella, licensed mental health counselor at Lokahi Counseling. This channel and the Calming the Chaos podcast is for those who want self-help and education. It's not a substitute for counseling or psychotherapy. So if you like the information, please subscribe to my channel and share it with your friends. Thanks so much for listening. And now, let the chaos begin. This episode of Calming the Chaos, I'm here with uh, Colleen Mullen, and she is a psychologist, and she practices down in San Diego, California. She has a podcast called Coaching Through Chaos, and she's got a lot of ideas. In fact, that's why we call this episode Double Chaos, Double the Calm, because what we're going to be doing is we're going to be talking about some of the chaotic things that are happening in our world today and some of the ideas that she and I can brainstorm to be able to possibly calm some of the chaos. So welcome, Colleen. Thank you so much for being here. Well, thanks so much for having me on the show, Tracy. Absolutely. It's an honor. I have heard a lot of your podcasts and seen a lot of your work and you just seem so professional. In fact, Um, it's great. You have awesome music and all that stuff too. And oh, thanks. I appreciate that. Thank you. Yeah. So the, the intention is, is just to have you introduce yourself and uh, what you do, uh, what you uh, just uh, do in your daily life and in, in your practice and in your podcasting. So if you could just tell okay. us a little about yourself, that'd be great. Right. Um, so uh, I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist uh, and uh, got a doctorate in psychology also and have been in practice for myself for 14 years down here in San Diego. And my practice is also called Coaching Through Chaos because it stems around my doctorate work in chaos theory. And um, in addition to the pod, to the therapy and the podcasting, uh, I also wrote a book last year on leadership for women, and um, and what else? And I write a lot for various sites around the internet. So professionally, um, I like to be involved in a lot of things. Um, as we talk about this, I'm like, oh yeah, and I'm part of a development team now. Uh, developing software to hopefully help revolutionize some aspects of the therapy training world. So we're working on an app right now that should come out by the end of the year or be ready for audiences by the end of the year. So professionally, I do like to get my hands on a lot of things. Um, My work in as a therapist focuses on um, a few things. So I work with people who Um, A lot of times there's substance abuse issues, and then there's um, depression, trauma, anxiety, disorders, um, or conditions, and then relationship stress. I work with people a lot on their own relationships together with two people in the room, or sometimes it's a person who wants to figure out how to not keep having the same relationship over and over because it has not lasted, and so they want to figure out what's their pattern in relationships, and I help them work that out. So, well, that's great because uh, aside from the substance um, abuse disorders, I think we are 
almost parallel because I do eating disorders. I'm a certified eating disorders specialist and I do depression, anxiety, trauma. I also do hypnotherapy. So oh, love that you bring that substance abuse disorder sort of expertise to the table here. I, I Obviously, there are people that come into my practice that have that, but mm-hmm. uh, I am definitely not a specialty area person in, in that area. So yeah, great. Well, thanks. Yeah, well, we're we're both versed in in this overwhelm, you know, and how I see it is like there's this problem that there's there are too many things that are very intense, and there are not enough things that are peaceful and calm. And I think that's the big picture of the way the way I see it. Uh, that's coaching through chaos. I'm helping coach them through that chaos. Yeah. Wow. You know, and so. What I see typically in my office is there's a system, right? And then somebody goes against it or doesn't get with the program. And they're the, usually the ones that are in my office. And, mm-hmm. you know, the system tends to put the blame on the problem. But really, the problem is just a symptom of something that's going awry in the system. Mm-hmm. And so your mapping system is is more of a systemic sort of approach to just really looking at all of the moving parts and Mm -hmm. looking at how they can move more smoothly together, it sounds like. Yes, right. And so to understand that like you don't have to do crisis intervention for, you know, a year with a client, you can go like, let's build skills. Let's build the tolerance for this kind of stress. Let's set boundaries. Let's do all all these other things that allows the person to then kind of bloom into someone who really understands that they've made um, a second order change, like that they really know that this problem is conquered for them. Yeah. Well, and, you know, when we're thinking about the chaos that's happening in the world today, hearing most is, is that the kids are going back to school, but they're not actually going back to school. They're going on to online school. So the parents have got to be in charge of them because they're at home. And Mm -hmm. many parents have jobs and some of them are working at home, but that's a systemic change that is really interesting uh, to look Mm -hmm. at in terms of practical things that, that are affecting most people here in the U S. But you know, when you look at it as a systemic sort of chaos, so something happens to where it's like the system was going this way until March of 2020. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden we have this whole virus hit us and then we have to have our kids home and we're home and how are we going to manage this? And so the system completely changes. Yes. How, how do you deal with something like that? Because that has been probably the most, I think, um, obvious sense yeah. of chaos that I have experienced from my clients in my practice. Like, how am I going to handle this change in the system? Mm-hmm. Yes. And, and then even on, like, this is multi-systemic because it's the whole education system too. And I know that there are teachers, like I, you know, I have access to a few teachers and uh, you talk to one and they're fine with it. You talk to another and they're terrified to be back in school. And another one wants to look at retiring early. I mean, like everybody in this, in these systems are looking at 
how are they coping with this change of trajectory, right? And so how I would work with the person is first look at what is the biggest obstacle that they're seeing to it happen, uh, like to be effective, right? What is the obstacle, right? And it may be just not being able to manage the kids and focus on their own work or afraid that the kid isn't going to um, get the education they thought they were going to get this year. And then, um, and then we look at, well, right now this is temporary, right? Nothing has changed permanently. So we also kind of calm things by staying very present focused. Today, this is what you need to do, right? And that's all you need to know about right now. And how do we get through today? And then you can look down the road at, at more problem solving. But in looking at this, we're literally seeing this play out where all of a sudden every system, families, school systems, businesses, everybody's looking at how do we do things differently and some people will adapt easier than others. And that is going to be probably one of the most relevant skills to how well a person or a family thrives through this or gets through this, survives even if they feel very fragile, is adaptability is what I... You know, when you said that, I just remembered when we did a group therapy, uh, we did a DBT group for eating disorders and one time, and we noticed that everybody always sat in the same place. And so one day we just sort of said, everybody has to sit somewhere else. And we just sort of watched the freak out happen. Mm-hmm. And, and, and it's because of that lack of adaptability. It's kind of like we have this thing set in our minds that things are supposed to go a certain way. And then when they don't, we don't know what to do. Um, so being, I guess, a flexible mind is probably what you're talking about. Like people mm-hmm. who can be more flexible or more like being able to take a step back, analyze the situation and be able to get creative and figure out how we're going to actually keep the kids in line and how are we actually going to both work our jobs at home. And um, yeah, how are we going to deal with the Wi-Fi when it goes out? That's my main problem. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And uh, so, right, the, the flexible mind and um, being able to see the alternative picture, right? Being able to see alternative answers or alternative solutions to a problem. I, I think that the main thing is what you said before is that, you know, you define the problem and then you just know, you just see what's present in in the, the here and now and today and what we can do to work with it to problem solve what we're going through. So I guess that sort of oversimplifies chaos, but if you can get your body calmed down enough uh, to be able to just say, oh, that's right, there's like a one, two, three step sort of approach to this. I think a lot of people just sort of go into shock. I don't know if you've seen any of that, but you know, the whole fight, flight, or freeze, you know, we're, we're going to be doing that stuff when we're faced with these uh, adapting times that we're in right now. Well, yeah, uh, it's a trauma reaction. There's a lot of, tra- and this is systemic trauma. There's individual trauma. There's all sorts of traumas happening. And and that's why we're seeing, I think, so much where we um, see these big systems like an education system that still looks like they couldn't move into a solution 
because we also have a bunch of humans who are being traumatized by this and and it registers in a certain way um, depending on what level of trauma a person's already had in life there's a lot of people walking around with a lot more anxiety than they've ever had before um, so yeah the fight or flight um, and the fear of there's another uh, like a a fear that um, like specifically for education I know the fear on some people's parts is if this works online, are we going to get stuck this way? So there's almost like a resistance to finding an accurate solution because people are scared that like somehow it's going to change how kids are educated from here on out. That if the district likes it and it works, why would they bring them back? There's, I, I, I'm hoping that there's really not a real threat of that happening. Kids still need socialization in all sorts of ways to, you know, learn new things and get other skills that school classes and after school programs and all sorts of things bring to them. But there is a fear going around that, like, if it is too good or easy or manageable, like, why would they change now and just move to a new direction for education. So I think that we have like that paralysis going on too, the fight or flight. And then like, well, what if this actually works? Mm -hmm. uh, just like all the corporate stuff, they're adjusting, right? And so there's a lot of people that are saying, we're probably just going to let you have options of staying and working from home since it it's working for people. But that's also very different than managing the kids at home. Yeah, it's the state of the world. And so what you said was really important there as far as um, like even expanding it out from the schools, the state of the world is in a state of adaptation and all of these things that are happening. And what we do to manage those things might be working or might be like, okay, I can think of the, the whole mask wearing thing, you know, that's mm -hmm. a big thing in Washington state. And so I was kind of a little shocked to just go to my corner store and there was all these signs about masks. And I had one, of course, but um, it was very interesting. One day I had to go and get some ice and there was all these signs and I was thinking it's a new world that we're living in mm -hmm. and we have to adapt to these arrows on our uh, grocery store floors that tell us where to stand so that we won't be close to each other. Yeah. And there is a lot of fear. Plus there's a lot of things to adapt to. A lot of people don't want to adapt to be safe. So I guess maybe what we're looking at is like safety and risk here on that mm -hmm. continuum, you know, where you're going to be on that, if you're going to completely obey the law and, and completely be safe, or are you going to just say, I don't care, I'm going to do things the same way as I always have, because I don't like adapting and um, risk getting sick. And so I think on a global level, and not just with schools, but with, you know, anything that we have to do with going out in public these days, it's, it's completely changed. And I think a lot of people are having problems adapting and having a lot of chaos about that. Well, yes. And I think that um, uh, you'll probably agree that like a lot of people come in for therapy because they they, they don't like change and there's a big change pending in their life or they went through a big change and now they're all unsettled. So now that's what we're seeing when we see people who, you know, whatever a person thinks of the mask wearing things, they're just being said, hey, do this for now, temporary, it'll help, right? Or we think it'll help, right? But just that idea of 
you know, here's different ways to do things and not being able to go in stores if you don't have one or not being able to go to school or your job or any of that with or without the mask, but just all of those changes, it pulls up a lot of that resistance like we were talking about, like going back to what we know, you know, and people don't, generally a lot of people don't like change. It makes them nervous. It makes them unsettled. And so this is just on such a big level. And then another factor is too, nobody's been through this before. This is one of the first times in, in what's well, the only time in history that anybody would still be alive from that we've had to have this global, we have this global pandemic and there isn't a guidebook. There isn't someone who's saying this is the solution to this problem. And so people are just hanging on for whatever bit of information works to fit into what makes sense to them. And that's where we get like a whole bunch of different opinions. I'm sure you're probably seeing that as well. Yeah. So how do we get people Mm -hmm. more flexible? I I don't know how, I've not been trained in uh, acceptance and commitment therapy, but maybe you have. I haven't actually. (laughs) Has that whole like psychological flexibility component to it to where here we're, I mean, the main goal is to develop that psychological flexibility how we're going to do that, how we're going to help help the person who usually sits in the third chair in the third row be able to sit in the fourth row in the fourth chair or whatever it is, uh, how we are going to be able to help people feel comfortable and safe with all of these changes. And I'm, I'm not really sure what the answer is. So that's kind of what I want to bring mm-hmm. with you. I think one of the things that just came to my mind was support. Like, I, I don't know that if a, a person doesn't feel supported, then when changes come along, they're, they're not going to feel as firm on their feet as if they have good support systems, good resources, like good family systems, good uh, friends, good spouses, uh, all that stuff. So that's one of the ideas I had, you know, just to be able to help people to feel better through all of these changes that mm-hmm. we're going through. What about, what about you? <laughs> What's an idea that you have? Yeah. Um, when I, when I think about that, I think of, um, well, yes, yeah, support. And then often it's, um, well, and then we have a whole bunch of people in the world will be like, yeah, well, my family's not that accepting and whatever. So then it's like, well, just talking to someone about it, right? You have a friend, a, a even if it's one person, right? You, you have some support, but talking about it is going to be very good until it's time to take a break, right? Like knowing when to stop actually talking about it is going to be a good thing as well to say like, look, let's go for a walk tomorrow. You know, maybe you go for walks every day with your friends. You say, let's go for a walk tomorrow, but let's not talk about the virus. Let's find some other normalcy that's happening, right? Um, because in this, like always finding exceptions, when, when somebody thinks everything is changing, there's always something that's not. Mm-hmm. So, you know, there's still, people are still like, like if, if you talk to your friend and said, oh, well, uh, what'd you do last weekend? Oh, well, we binged some shows on Netflix. Um, we went down to the park and went for a walk. We went down and walked by the water. Um, we, got, um, we got dinner from a restaurant and brought it home and had it on the patio. All those things are things that you do in normal life. So like the whole world isn't changing and that's why pulling it back keeps you very present. Like it's just today that all this other stuff is, 
is in flux. And yes, to some people, everything about like their financial world and everything is so fragile. So even more so for as much as it sounds maybe a little trite to say, oh, well, like find out like what your friends are binging on Netflix. It's important to pull yourself out of the despair. So, so having support, having friends or just people that you, you can talk to about this and then knowing when to take those breaks, I think is really helpful. Right. What you're talking about is being like more grounded, like Mm -hmm. support and grounding. Like I know that even though some things are uncertain uh, as far as COVID, as far as the upcoming presidential election, as Mm -hmm. far as unemployment, school closures, stock markets, sports events, I know that there is a tree outside of my house that is continuing to grow. Mm -hmm. And I know that every couple of, I know my calendar tells me when, when the full moon comes out, you know, <laughs> full moon will be there. Um, and, and I do know that my eyes are brown and, you know, these things mm-hmm. are just seemingly really simple, but yeah. they really can ground you uh, when you think about like all this mm-hmm. change. I love what you just said about like, so why aren't we focusing on things that are still the same that aren't changing that are continuous and they are resources and help us to be grounded lavender still smells like lavender right uh-huh. Right. And people are gardening and growing their vegetables, right? These things are still happening in the world in our in our state in our country. Uh, and kids are still learning. They might not be learning the same way, but they're still learning. The kids have homework, right? They're still learning. And really we're talking about like just yeah, being very present, mindful, grounded to be able to say, I need to take a night off of like looking at this, hearing about this, talking about this, something like that. Um, I've been advising uh, some business owners on like kind of coming back to work after being shut down or how do you just kind of work through this and keep morale up and help the, help your employees feel cared about. And knowing not to like join in and commiserate on all the, the, the negative, right? going and and being able to look outside of all of that and say, well, you know, I'm really grateful that we are here today. Even if you were shut down for two months and you've come back, you've come back. You know, there's there's something there's something very positive in that. Uh, it might not feel the same and it might not be as busy as it was if it's like one of the restaurant businesses or something, but there's a lot in in this. I think I lost my little track of thinking, but there's a lot to be grateful in the present day as well as looking at what is actually still going on that has always gone on that has not been interrupted. Yeah, I like using the kind of ebb and flow. Like we 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 continue to like here's a crisis and then it kind of comes down. But it, I think people who expect it just to always be even flowing are sadly disappointed. And I think ebbs and flows are really expected. I did want to ask you a bit about how you talk about your past, present, and future sort of um, ways of looking at things. And I love, I love the way that you describe it on your website as far as helping people through chaos is looking at the past and the future and seeing how those things can cause chaos and being able to help people enter into the present moment to calm their chaos. You want to say a couple words about that? I would love to hear more. 
Sure. So, um, you know, yes, all this stuff happened to you in the past and it might affect how you are in today's world. And then we can look and see what do you want you know, your future to look like. And then we start going, okay, then we have to start looking at how do you separate out those past things and be able to, um, I always talk about them giving, how much more energy do you want to give the past? You know, like, I don't know, like traditional stuff, you know, oh, your mother, you know, you had a terrible relationship with your mother, but she's been dead five years already. Like how much weight are you going to give the pain that that relationship brought you to say, I don't feel good about myself or I don't have a lot of confidence. Nobody's telling you you're a bad kid anymore. Nobody's telling you you're ugly anymore. Like, like, and, and it's, you know, obviously I do it in a little softer tone in session, but it's, um, it's it's looking at how much do you really want that to be the script that you carry with you into the future, right? Because it can change and it can feel different. And it's kind of getting, I think the map helps people buy into the fact that they can feel differently. Mm. And, you know, and it's just a process of trial and error to see like what works to help that change get affected when it is something that is really like literally just caught in their thoughts like that, like an old script about who they are or what they thought they were capable of because of how they were treated when they were younger, right? Mm -hmm. um, because we, we, we carry, I like, I like little stats and things, but we, um, you know, in, in the, the, the book writing project, I was looking up, you know, about women and self-esteem and stuff. And like women are in particular, like we get the, the self-concept that we have of ourselves when we're 12 lingers and and stays the same throughout life that even when they looked at women who were 45 they still had the same self-concept of who they were at 12 so if they were if they were confident if they thought they were you know strong if they were you know thought they were smart all those positives they still kind of lived their life that like that if they didn't and they had whatever whatever causes around them that, that, you know, ended up internalizing themselves as not worth much or not, you know, don't speak up or you don't get to have a voice or any of those things, or I'm shy, I'm timid, nobody likes me, I don't get picked first, all those negative scripts that we can carry out. That's what they still think of themselves at 45. That part fascinated me and, and actually helps a lot of the, the work that, that I do with women, but it's this idea that most, I'm going to venture to guess men are pretty probably around the same time. We would just look at like the age when those ideas get formed and how they stay with them. But, um, you know, so it's really rewriting old scripts and letting them know they could have a different experience in their environment. Right. When we're talking about the past, you know, and you say, how much energy do you want to keep for this? You know, I think it's really valid to say you're at a choice point here. If you want to continue to hold this this burden or if you want to let it go and it's a choice point, it really is. Yeah. And, you know, whether they're going to agree with and continue to agree with the narrative that has been scripted for them in the past or if they're going to disagree and write their own new narrative that's more empowering. I love that. So that's how the past part works. And then I know that future has to do a lot with chaos. As far as worrying or fearing that the worst is going to happen, the other shoe is going to drop, uh -huh. 
possibly, you know, just doing the um, self-fulfilling prophecy of doom. And uh, so, yeah, how do you work with the future fears with your with your clients in this this uh, yeah. uh, mapping system and past, mm-hmm. present, future sort of way of looking at things? Right. Um, well, and it, it's so funny. I talk about this question probably a couple of times a week with people. I it, my favorite thing. It, on earth to challenge a person is to say, well, like, what is the worst thing that would happen to you in this moment? Right. And so if that's fearing, you know, um, right. So then they say, well, I don't know, like, like, so we'll use the substance abuse analogy, right? Like, um, they make the changes, but they don't, they, they're not as connected to their family because their family maybe didn't do the buy-in and I'll say, okay. And then what, what is going to be the worst thing about your life? if it looks like that, that you have to interact with them differently. And they might say, well, then maybe they're not going to think I love them as much. I'm like, okay, well, you can fix that because you can tell them that you love them, right? Or maybe, um, I don't know, they'll be left out of things. Maybe they'll literally be shunned. Okay, and then what will that bring to your life by not getting invited by people who are you know, supposed to love you, you know, and, and getting shunned by them. Like, what will that do to you? Okay. And then you look for solutions to that, but what is the worst thing that can happen? Um, you know, what, what are you giving up? Right. I don't know if you know that, the, I, I don't know, even know if that's the miracle question, but what are you going to give up if tomorrow you wake up and you feel differently? If you were confident tomorrow, if you thought you were, outstanding at what you did, if you, um, you know, weren't afraid to kind of go after that new career, like, what would you be giving up by not staying in this place of fear, right? So it's not just that they're going to give up the fear, right? This usually locks them in, like, in a weird way to some other weird reinforcer, right? Maybe they're afraid their marriage would fall apart because they're not sure their partner could handle them like working more or going after something. Or maybe they're afraid that that um, that they're not going to be the best parent to their kids because they think it's selfish to go after a new career when, they're, when their kids are, you know, starting to grow up, right? There's a lot of things that people get worried about and, and these reinforcers, these negative reinforcers keep them locked in and, and it, and then it keeps them saying, oh, well, you need to do this because that makes you a good mom rather than, well, I could do this and this, but they get, but it allows them to not have to do it. Right. So, yeah. Well, you're getting into some, some uh, existential issue yeah. where there's like, I know that you said, well, so what's the worst thing that can ever happen to you? And then it goes to death. <laughs> uh huh. I automatically, um, being sort of an existential person, just think about mm-hmm. that. Well, okay, so basically they're going to say either humiliation or death. You know, okay. To and be then, the worst thing that's going to be happening to me here. And, and that might be, um, sometimes the worst that can happen is death, right? If you think you're doing something in an effort, um, even if it's just thinking a certain way, and you think by changing your thinking, someone, someone or something that you love could pass away, right? Um, then we go through that and we say, okay, and then what happens after that, right? And if it's you, if it's the person, I say, well, what is the worst that can happen to you if, if you change this thinking and it gets to death? And we say, okay, well, then at that point, you just keep going through it. Like what, and then what, and then what, right? So you then are 
are out of this. Others will adapt. They'll be sad and they'll adapt. But let's get to the rationality of like how death came up for that for you, right? Is that really where you're going to go with that? Um, is that really a rational possibility, right? And challenging maybe the existential angst that wants to just take over with death when you get presented with something that is scary. But what happens to someone who goes, well, if all of this happens, well, I probably something will happen and I'll die. Okay, well, th there's not much to adapt to after that, but um, but we can challenge that and go and say, well, is that reality? Yeah, uh, there was. I believe it was either Aaron Beck or Albert Ellis, or maybe both of them. They, they one of them said there was no catastrophes, and I remember when I heard that, I thought, what do you mean? There's no in my mind. There's all kinds of catastrophes that could happen. <laughs> there's that theory that you know, what is the worst that can happen? And uh, yeah. so when you said that, just reminded me of, of Backend or Ellis yeah. or both of them. And then the other thing that kind of came up with for me is that when you do go down that road of catastrophizing, it's a creative mind, just mm -hmm. trying to figure out what's going to happen, maybe be one or two or seven steps uh, ahead of the game and being able to reframe that as, you know, wow, your mind is really being creative. I can see how you can come to that conclusion, mm -hmm. but what is the reality? The past is the best predictor of the future. And so in the past, you've always been okay and you've been taken care of. You've been, you've had some hard times, you've gotten through them. Now what is happening is really super hard. Uh, but in the future, it doesn't have to be that catastrophe that you're dreaming up. Your creative mind is doing that. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I love that that sort of a, a way of of dealing with with chaos in the mind, and and that involves both like all three dimensions: past, present, mm -hmm. future. Of course, wanting to end up on the present because here we are, right? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> we're. I mean, we're we're gonna all die someday, and that's the reality of the thing. But right. as we are living and breathing, then then what is the most effective ways that mm -hmm. we can live? in our major life domains, you know, how we, how can we live best physically, yes. socially, with family, professionally, occupationally, mm -hmm. educationally, financially, emotionally, mentally, and spiritually. Those are those major life domains that do get affected by these disrupts in, mm -hmm. you know, these changes in society or in our world. So we just yeah. want to kind of reassure people that, you know, it's going to ebb and flow. It's going to be okay. Um, so I like that. Um, so what is your go-to chaotic sort of coping technique for your own self? Like when you start to feel yourself freaking out. Now, I'm, I'm going to go uh -huh. with you too. So don't think that you're all alone here. And I'm just going to say, oh, yeah, okay, you do you. Um, but yeah, what is it? What do you do when there is something that just completely throws, just knocks you for a loop? What do you do? Yeah. Um, well, I often joke and say whiskey, but I don't. Um, uh, but, uh, <laughs> the, you know, clients laugh at that. I'm like, yeah, no, not really. But but I, I really heavily rely on uh moving my body and as stress reducing, like going for walks, uh, getting outside, breathing fresh air. I try to practice when I preach. I don't always do it as, as well as I'd like, but, but I do use like, um, 
that as like a ritual grounding. I even use it in my relationship now, especially with COVID. We made that a ritual of like every day after work, we go for a walk somewhere. Sometimes it's our neighborhood. Sometimes we drive to other neighborhoods. But uh, using uh, working out some of the energy that then allows me to think because I, I am a high strung person and I have a tendency to hear something and go, whoop, what was that? And like go straight to 10 on the, on the reactivity if I don't watch myself. <laughs> and, uh, you know, um, mm-hmm. so, so it's, uh, so I like to expel the energy and then go all do, and I'll think about it later. I try to like, once I realize like I'm in that state of mind, I'm like, I have to do this later and I will set it aside. I'll be like, where are we going to go today? Let's go for a walk. Let's go like, or sometimes if I really need to, I'll do it myself or I'll just say, give me, give me 30 minutes of sitting on the patio and like, let me just escape for a few minutes and read something or do something um, before I want to get back into kind of rejoining or regrouping in at home, you know? So, so that's really super important to me. Uh, Movement. Moving. Fresh air. Moving, breathing and processing. Yes. And and yes, just moving the body because that gets you out of your mind. Right. Mm -hmm. I remember in hypnotherapy school, uh, people were talking about get out of your mind and into your body because most people are so into their mind and hypnotherapy does get you more into the body. So Uh those are great. I, you know, I have had a lot of training in DBT, dialectical behavior therapy. Mm -hmm do tend to go back to this whole, like kind of there's, there's an app for everything. There's, there's a skill for everything, right? Yeah. So when my clients come to me or when I have a problem, I sense my wheels turning, like, where is the skill? Is it, is it a mindfulness sort of a deal? Is it emotion regulation? Is it distress tolerance? Is it, you know, a relationship sort of thing? Mm -hmm. And and I think what I do, like if something really threw me for a loop, like say one of these big, large trees here just sort yeah. of like started to topple down and broke the window, right? Mm-hmm. And so that's that's kind of a chaotic thing to have. That would be, yes. <laughs> um, but, you know, so you observe what happens uh, and then, you know, you sort of go into that fight or flight or freeze mode and you notice the shock. So getting back into your body is so important. Breathing. Yeah. I love using scents. Like um, oh, mm-hmm. it's telling me something really super traumatic or difficult, uh, very sad, uh, depressing. Um, I'll get my orange oil out and I'll get my lavender oil. And I do have a scent that I spray around my office. I, I think I'd heard from DBT that the quickest way to ground yourself is through the sense of smell, but Mm -hmm. all five senses are good, you know, visualizing something uh, pleasant, but, and then, uh, so then I would say, I would, I would release that energy, like, ah, maybe utter a couple (laughs) expletives, but like, like try and keep myself safe, but energy release. And then I would talk to myself and say, you can do this. You've gotten through a lot of really hard situations in your life, Tracy. You can get through this tree crashing through your window. You're okay. You just got a couple scratches on your face, whatever. Asking for help. Mm-hmm. You know, I have to say there's, I think this is from DBT too. I don't know where, which skill it, it comes from, but on um, uh, prayer, 
just to be able to, even if prayer isn't to a, you know, if you don't believe in God, but if you believe in just sort of shouting out to the universe to just sort of lend you a hand, like, come mm-hmm. on, lend me a hand here. Like, please help me. I'm, I'm, you know, send, you know, throw me a freaking boon here or something uh-huh. like that. I've said that so many times, actually. <laughs> be able to just sort of ask for help either uh, uh, from the people who are around you or spiritually. Mm-hmm. That's what I. That's what I try and do. Um, other times, I I yell and scream and freak out and say, "Oh my gosh, my husband, help me! What's going on?" Um, because yeah, I'm very reactive. My mind is very reactive and creative and very, um, reptilian. I guess that's the reptilian brain that takes over when there's an actual chaos that hits you Uh and you know, you have to get everything together to be able to survive. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. Yes. And, and so, and I don't know much about the formal DBT training, but, um, but I love what you were saying about the senses because I'm often talking about like, right, any of the senses, like there's, you know, um, when, when I I talk often about like, um, you know, yes, smelling something, but I'll say just step outside if you have a, a, even just a, a really unsettling point of the day, maybe you're just getting extra anxious or you're even having a little bit of panic during the day, just kind of worried about things. Step outside, breathe air, look for the colors. What do you see? What do you hear? What does the air taste like? Drink some water, you know, notice what is going on. And then also you were talking about the body with the, um, uh, we were both talking about the body with, with movement and getting back in the body. And I also talk about like, start noticing your body, like where are you carrying all this stress? You know, what are you noticing so you can like get out of the thought in your head that is keeping you like you're probably ruminating and, and stressed on something, right? It gives your body a break when you start noticing because it's throwing the senses off and it's interrupting that, that connection. Like, oh, I'm worried about this. I'm worried about this. I'm worried about this. Oh, but wait, look at the pretty green leaves, you know? And you can't have those two things at the same time. So it just, it just interrupts you. And it's, that is something that I, I share often with my clients or remind them about and say, well, sounds like that moment was really stressful and you were saying you got anxiety and how soon after that were you able to go and try that? <laughs> you know, were you able to pull yourself out? And if you weren't, like, what what were you holding on to that was so hard to stop thinking about for that minute that you just, that you couldn't notice what it smelled like outside or what the sun felt like on your skin, right? All of that. Um, yeah. Yeah. So how can you help yourself through it? And that has to do a lot with the self-talk. I, I mm-hmm. think that one of the, I don't know which professor told me this, but it, it didn't come from me anyway, but I, lo- I love using it with clients is talk to yourself like you would talk to your best friend. Mm-hmm. Encourage your best friend through it. So talk to yourself in that same way. Like you, you know, you know, you can do this, take another step and, and, you know, being able to help yourself through things uh, because really when it all comes down to it, you may not have somebody to help you, but you can have your own self-talk. You can have that own, that positivity coming out of, of the chaos of whatever is happening. And yeah, smell the air, look at the sky, Uh you know, so there's the vision, there's the scent, there's the drink some water, you Mm -hmm. know, all that stuff can really help ground a person 
I think that was a pretty good lightning round of, of chaos, unless you have another yeah. sort of go-to skill. I, I love the five senses, actually, you know, just, you know, sight, yeah. sound, scent, hearing. Um, yeah. The, the only other one that I'd really um, uh, recommend, right, there's all the senses, moving the body, right, uh, talking and then taking a break. But um but also like just um, uh, getting outside and getting sunlight because people like are so depleted of vitamin D these days. Like they don't even understand how much just a little bit of sun that maybe like you were getting when you parked your car at the end of the parking lot at the office and then walked in, you had three minutes of walking or a minute even of walking that you're not getting anymore that you haven't gotten for six months, like just how, how quickly, because most people are, are right now, like I'm hearing a lot of my clients are like, oh, well, the doctor did test and I'm deficient in vitamin D. I'm like, yeah, right. And all it takes then is, you know, supplementing themselves, but, um, but just getting it naturally is so good. Vitamin D though, just help like from the sunlight, right? Like it helps your mood, it helps you with sleep, it helps with stress management, which also the moving of the body does all of that too, mm -hmm. right? And so, but, um, yeah. you know, there's this opportunity, right? People are working from home or are home and the sun is still shining, right? There's that other thing, like the sun is still shining, the beaches are still there, some people's pools are open and there's opportunity to just get outside and still, you know, be in touch with that part of the world, which is kind of like innocent and pure because it's, it's, it's beautiful, right? And, and, um, and so, that can be so cathartic, but doing all of that while you're, you know, getting a walk in while you're outside will also help, you know, decrease the amount of stress that you're actually feeling. It gives you more of a container for that. It can help you sleep because you're also not stressed as much, right? And improve the mood. Right. Yeah. You know, I love that sunlight thing too. I, well, we're in Washington state where we have like all kinds of rain and it, if it's... Oh. <laughs> San Diego. Oh my goodness. Yeah. We've got a lot of depression up here in Washington, yeah. seasonal affective disorders and such. But what do you have to say about those happy lights? Or what I have is a dawn simulator alarm clock, which I'm going to have to start using pretty soon because, uh, it, hello, it used to be light at five o'clock in the morning up here. And now it isn't light until like seven. So yeah. What do you have to yeah. say? like happy lights, you know, those light sort of therapies and uh, even like a dawn simulating alarm clock to wake you, sort of usher you into the day. Yeah. I, I think when, when you're talking like uh, Washington state and the rain and the, the, the gray, yeah. you know, months that you go into, right. I, I'm a former New Yorker and I left cause I couldn't, I, I did not like the, the winters, I would get not really depressed, but that seasonal effect if something was just mm -hmm. off. And I was like, I want to go live in the sunshine. So um, I know everybody can't just up and move to San Diego. So on that end, yes, I think um, I don't know a lot about them. But what I do know is that like, if you are going to be months away from like really getting a sufficient amount of direct sunlight, you need to supplement that. Yeah. Right. And so um, investing in some kind of therapeutic light on that way um, certainly can be helpful. I know there are a lot of people out there practicing with the light therapy. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, the dawn simulation, I love that. I, I'm, I'm wondering, I, I don't know who, who actually wakes up to that. I know I probably couldn't. <laughs> 
do. I, I, I set my light on a bright white. And uh-huh. um, so I do wake up to that. And then there's these, anno- well, they used to be soothing, but then now they're annoying birds chirping. And uh-huh. yeah, so I get a sound and a light, a light ends, uh-huh. and then the birds start chirping when the alarm comes on. And- oh, I like that. I like that. It sounds very soft and delicate. And I think gosh, I might sleep through that one. <laughs> I'm going to have to start using it again because I'm I'm getting up way too late because of the the darkness but uh, but uh you mentioned sounds. I think sound machine is another good little trick and they don't even need an actual machine although you can buy them and plug them in but your phone has apps. There are definitely uh white noise apps and there you know there's plenty of free ones out there and you can have any range of like 20, 30 different sounds on these things that range from like my personal favorite is the the airplane cabin because when I sit in an airplane, I fall asleep before we even take off. I have no fear of flying because I won't even know I, I was in the air. So like that's what I use to sleep. It puts me out on a night when I really just can't. I put that on. But other people for calming themselves um, when they're agitated, put on the soft little chirping birds or the running water or you know, just these, they have vacuums, fans, all those just general white noises. If you want to just kind of like shut yourself out from the world, pick a sound that you can just hone in on and listen to. And it gets very hypnotic and um, you get a nice little break. And because there's a lot of people out there, you know, everybody's out there, all the coaches and stuff are talking about like, oh, meditating and doing something creative and all that stuff. And I think people are feeling a lot of pressure that if they're suffering during this time or they're not feeling like they really want to be creative or they really want to, you know, now is not the time for them to meditate because they're just too overwhelmed. This is a way to take a break from the, you know, in the mind without putting the pressure on yourself that you literally have to sit in silence and get to the point where your mind doesn't, doesn't actually think about anything or notice anything, you can distract it and allow yourself to get into a little bit of a a hypnotic or a trance-like state for a few minutes and just hone in on the sound and let that just kind of um, calm your insides for a few minutes. I did not know. I did not even think about white noise apps. And so I fall asleep to the purring of my cat and the snoring of my husband. So maybe I should check into that. (laughs) They have that. Um, I, I have a sister I take care of and she lives with me and she I turned her on to the white noise apps and mm-hmm. my partner came out the first morning after he went in, made made coffee and she's still sleeping on the other side of the house. And he's like, gosh, because I didn't know she snored so loud. And I went out and I'm like, oh my gosh, it's the purring cat on the white noise app, but she sleeps with it very loud. But it's, <laughs> I wasn't snoring. Okay, so if there's a purring cat. There is. Saw my my you you should maybe watch my last podcast uh, and actually you should watch it on YouTube because it's so adorable with my cats. But <laughs> yes, if there is a purring cat, white noise, mm-hmm. I am all over that for sure. I will make sure to email you the link to that app so that you can even put it with your show notes if you want for the listeners. Oh, yeah. It's a free app and it has all these, like it must have 25 different sounds you can pick from. But one of them that she honed in on was the, the uh, snoring cat, which was really funny. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. 
Yeah, well, I appreciate you being here. I guess this the the sort of the takeaway is there's too much. There's there's a lot of stuff going on and it's very intense. And so what the goal is here is just to be able to sort of scale it down and not make it so intense. And so your mapping system and looking at past present future, being able to use some of the skills that we talked about to, today to calm calm the chaos and coaching through chaos. Do you want to talk about uh, your podcast and uh, maybe uh, make a little plug for your website or anything that you want to promote? Uh, well, thanks. <laughs> so, uh, sure. So, people can find me uh, to work with me at coachingthroughchaos.com. And uh, and I am right now, I'm doing a lot of therapy, but I'm also doing a lot of uh, like we'll call small to medium business consulting, helping people kind of, well, I help them generally in like employee turnover and improving customer service and the systemic dynamics that go on there. But lately it's been talking about how to get back to business uh, either through the pandemic or post-pandemic. We thought it was going to be post-pandemic, but it's through the pandemic. And um, But the podcast is Coaching Through Chaos also, and you can find it all on the same site um, if you like, or any of the regular podcast listening apps. And um, I've been doing that since 2015, and I have other people on, they're very often um, authors or people who are experts at what they do and have put their ideas down on paper, or they are people who have overcome these, you know, tremendous obstacles in life and have something to say about how they manage their lives on the flip side of that chaos. And so, um, so that's been running uh, since 2015 and October 1st. Um, I'm actually launching the Patreon for that where for a small, and I don't, I don't act as the expert on that show. I hold on people who are the experts at what they do, but on, um, but on October 1st, when I launch the Patreon, I'm going to be releasing uh, three self-help recordings uh, as the extra content that, per, that a person will get for signing up for a, a, like a mid-level tier on the Patreon. It's still a small, it's under $10 a month. And so that's there. And if anybody wants, I will email you the link to my free download of my book, uh, it's called um, the 60-Day Plan for Embracing Your Inner Leader. It's a leadership workbook for women. Uh, so uh, I did this, obviously, write books, and we think, oh, we want to sell them, and it's going to do so well. And then I, I did some retooling of the book. I actually didn't like what I first released, and I did some retooling, even renamed it a little bit, repackaged it a little bit, and decided that, you know, I don't even, yes, people can buy it on Amazon, but I don't even really care about that. I just... Um, wanted it to get in as many hands of women as possible. And so I have been posting a free download link where they can download an online version of the book. And so it is a workbook. It takes them through 10 chapters of uh, um, great traits of uh, successful women. And then it goes through um, some exercises in each little chapter about like, how would you think about this? Or what would you do in this situation? Who are you thinking about when I say about talking to a mentor? Um, but then there's an actual like 60 day mapping plan, uh, funny mapping, right? Uh, mapping plan for um, 
if they do those things along the way in, their, in those 60 days, they will be on their way to feeling much more confident and feeling like more of a leader. And it can be in business, but it's also like a person who just wants to feel more empowered, right? Mm -hmm. And because we have a lot of people that just would like to feel stronger in their own skin or more empowered or more confident in their own skin. And really the book can be for any woman really. And I'm going to put out the men's version next year, but, but the women's is out now and it can be downloaded for free. That would be amazing if you could offer that to our listeners because, uh, you know, I know Tara Brock does the same thing. She, she offers up so many free resources and I do that too with my CD and, mm -hmm. and uh, some of the tracks that I have are on my uh, podcast and people can just listen to them. But I love that you have that for free and that you're willing to share it with us. That sounds so cool for sure. Great. Great. I will definitely get all of that to you when we when we hang up right <laughs> so i'll get that to you before it goes live uh, absolutely just yes get it to me and i add it to the notes and that's how it goes right Great. so yeah well i really appreciate your time i know your time is very valuable and um thank you so much for being with us today and helping us to learn it's sort of taking the, calming the chaos over the top, I think, you know. <laughs> well, I like that. Thanks. <laughs> so thanks so much for having me on, Tracy. I really enjoyed this. You're welcome. All right. Bye-bye. Okay. Thank you for listening to Calming the Chaos. If the information in today's podcast was helpful, please consider subscribing and share it with your friends. You can find this podcast on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, and on YouTube. You can also go to my website at www.lokahicounseling.com for more resources for calming your mental and emotional chaos. This includes a CD I created that teaches you how to practice mindfulness in less than 10 minutes. So check it out. Thanks again for listening. And I look forward to sharing my next podcast episode with you. In the meantime, take care.